You're listening to the Finding Christ in the Old Testament series, preaching by Pastor Rick Dressler at Maple City Baptist Church in Chatham, Ontario. For more information about Maple City, please visit us online at maplecitybaptistchurch.com. First Kings chapter 22 this morning. And uh, we are closing in now on the life of Ahab. Uh, we won't get to the end of his life today. It'll probably be several weeks from today but it's coming to a close. And what I find interesting as we've been through our study of 1 Kings, that as we've looked at chapters 20, 21, and 22, it's all been about this ongoing conflict that Ahab has had with the Word of God. And my prayer this morning is that we would have eyes to see that some of these same conflicts that Ahab has with the Word of God are conflicts that we have in our lives, and they must be identified and corrected. And so let's look this morning at the story of Ahab, 1 Kings chapter 22, starting now at verse number 1. And they continued three years without war between Syria and Israel. And it came to pass in the third year that Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, came down to the king of Israel. We are now introduced to a new character in the story. This is the first time we will hear of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat, we're introduced to now in this story, he is the godly king of Judah, you know, part of the southern tribe that was separated. And as we work our way through the story, we will see that Jehoshaphat is, uh, has more spirituality than common sense. And we're going to see that unfold before our eyes this morning. He has obviously made some kind of agreement now, a peace with Ahab, the king of the northern kingdom, Israel. And so he shows up there. Verse number three. And the king of Israel said unto his servants, Know ye not that Ramoth and Gilead is ours, and we be still and take it not out of the hand of the king of Syria. And maybe just for your own information, uh, Ramoth, Gilead, did originally belong to the 12 tribes of Israel. As a matter of fact, it was the tribe of Gath. And um, it was given to them on the other side of Jordan. But they had not possessed it for a long time. They lost it. But Ramoth-Gilead was the place where the spice and the incense routes ran through. They trucked through that area. And so it was a very lucrative city. And if you owned the toll roads there, you were making money. And so Ahab sees this as an opportunity. This is an economic opportunity for him to get back what he believes He lost. Money's involved. He wants it back. Verse number four. And Ahab said then to Jehoshaphat, Wilt thou go with me to battle to Ramoth-Gilead? And Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, I am as thou art, my people as thy people, my horses as thy horses. This is a long extended way of saying yes. Your casa, my casa, your casa, we're the same. Your family, my family, we're brothers here. I will certainly go with you. So Jehoshaphat, the godly king of Israel, agrees to go with Ahab, the ungodly king of Judah, Ahab of Israel, to go together to war. Now watch what happens in verse number 5. And Jehoshaphat, after agreeing to go to war with Ahab, said unto the king Ahab, Inquire, I pray thee, at the word of the Lord today. Now, notice what just happened. Jehoshaphat says, yes, 
I will go with you. That's my plan. That's my design. Let's do this. And after he makes his plans, he says, by the way, we should ask God in on this so that he can put a stamp of approval on what I'm planning on doing already. The order is a little convoluted, right? Yes, yes, yes. Oh, maybe we should grab God into this thing now and get his stamp of approval on what we're about to do. Now, I know none of us would ever do this. But Jehoshaphat just did. Maybe we should ask the Lord. And so Ahab will provide now some prophets. Verse number 6. Then the king of Israel gathered the prophets together, about 400 men, and said unto them, Shall I go against Ramoth-Gilead to battle, or shall I forbear? And they said, Go up, for the Lord shall deliver it into the hand of of the king. Now, I have read this scores of times, and I've always believed that these 400 prophets must be the 400 guys that were missing in action from Baal on Mount Carmel. If you remember the story, you know, 450 prophets, 400 of the grove, and now 450 are gone, 400 left. These are the guys that missed it. These are prophets of Baal. But I have to say to you now, I don't know. They might be the same guys, but in verse number 5, Jehoshaphat said, let's inquire of the Lord. That's Yahweh. And so Ahab says, fine, here are 400 guys, and when they're talking, they are saying, go up for the Lord, not Baal. The Lord will deliver this army into your hands. A matter of fact, as we work our way through the text, we're going to get to verses 11 and 12, and, and these false prophets, or these prophets, say, thus saith the Lord. Again, not Baal. They're claiming to know God, and they promise God's success in verse number 12. And so here Ahab says, you want prophets of God? I've got them. 400 guys all saying the same thing. Go up. God, Yahweh, Jehovah, the true God, will deliver it to your hands. Man, 400 guys all saying the same thing. Pretty impressive. Pretty powerful, and Ahab is digging it. Man, whatever they're laying down, he's picking up. This is good. See, Jehoshaphat, we've got 400 guys, prophets of the Lord, telling us this is a great idea. And so he turns to Jehoshaphat and says, is this good? Look at verse number 7. And Jehoshaphat said, "Uh, is there not a prophet of the Lord beside that we might inquire of him? There is something about these 400 guys that's not ringing true for Jehoshaphat. He's a godly king. He's walking with God. And these 400 guys are saying, this is what God is saying. And he's saying, ah, I don't know about that. This doesn't sound right to me. Is there maybe one more prophet of the Lord that we can get to to ask him? And the narrator doesn't tell us why he feels this way, but he feels this way. These 400 guys claiming to be God's men, speaking God's word, doesn't resonate with him. Jehoshaphat says, ah, something's wrong with this. Is there one more guy? And so, verse number 8. And the king of Israel said unto Jehoshaphat, ah, there is yet one man 
Micaiah, the son of Imlah, by whom we may inquire of the Lord, but I hate him. (laughs) Isn't that a great line? I laugh every time I read that. Yeah, there's this one guy. It's Micaiah. But I hate that guy. I just hate him. It sounds like a child. But he does hate him. And here's why he hates him. For he doth not prophesy good concerning me, but evil. It's interesting. He hates Micaiah because he doesn't prophesy good concerning me. Ahab is not concerned with truth or error. Ahab wants someone to support him. These 400 guys told him what he wanted to hear, and that was fine. And he says, I hate Micaiah because Micaiah, because he doesn't tell me what I want to hear. He's not very positive toward me. Remember, the most wicked king of Israel is upset because the preacher is not happy what he's doing. I hate that guy. He's not supportive. Years ago, um, we were in Bridgeport, and we had a mentor, Bill Swain. His wife has since gone to be with the Lord a couple years back. But we were in a couples class, and uh, I remember this class where we, we had a chance to ask some questions. And one man asked a question after class and said this. He said, Bill, is there, what's the best way to show my kids that I support them? Because, you know, they have issues at school or issues in the neighborhood or with their teacher, and I want my kids to know that I, as their dad, or we, as their parents, support them. And Bill Swain said, they don't need to know that. Matter of fact, they shouldn't know that. What they ought to know is that you love them. Because if you love them, there will be times that you cannot support them. Right? Because real love says, this is a bad idea. Real love says, you're going the wrong way. Our kids don't need to be supported like that. They need to know they have parents who love them enough to tell them the truth. That this path is destructive. You see, don't worry about supporting people. Certainly we should support people. But Ahab didn't care about truth. He didn't care about error. He just wanted someone to say, it's okay, everything you're doing is fine. That is problematic because the truth is what sets us free. And so Ahab says, I hate that guy. That guy never has anything good to say about me. That guy never supports me. Jehoshaphat says, now, now, let's not be so negative. Um, Let's give this guy a go. Verse number nine. And the king of Israel called an officer and said, hasten hither, Micaiah, the son of Imlah, And the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, set each on his throne, having put on their robes in a void place in the entrance of the gate of Samaria, and all the prophets prophesy before them. And Zedekiah, the son of Chenaanah, made him horns of iron and said, Thus saith the Lord, with thee shalt thou push the Syrians until Thou hast consumed them. So here's this picture now. They sent off for this other prophet. But in the meantime, there's this royal uh, war meeting, council, right at the front gates. And so the kings are there. They're on their thrones. And these 400 prophets are all there. It's a huge church service. 
And here is Zedekiah, and he pulls out these ox horns that he made from home. And he's out there doing this charade of a goring ox, like, The church was always fun when Zedekiah was there. Always fun. He had the best props. It was awesome. And he's doing this, and he's saying, these are the horns that will push the enemy out. And you say, that's bizarre, man. That's strange. Why would he do that? Well, there's a reason he did that. In Deuteronomy 33, um, Moses is talking about the children of Israel. And the northern tribe, which is Joseph's kids of Ephraim and Manasseh, who make up the largest portion of Ahab's territory, are called a wild ox. And so what Zedekiah has done is he's taken a portion of Scripture and used it for this situation. The problem is this portion of Scripture is not about an Israel that's an apostate. That portion of Scripture is about a faithful Israel. But what Zedekiah has just done is he's taken a portion of the Word of God and made it say something it was never meant to say. And again, Ahab's loving it. All 400 guys are saying the same thing. Go up. The battle is yours. Jehovah has delivered it for you. Verse 13. And the messenger that was gone to call Micaiah spake unto him, saying, Behold now, the words of the prophets declare good unto the king with one mouth. Let thy word, I pray thee, be like the word of, the, of one of them, and speak that which is good. So they're getting ready to go into the church service. And it's crazy, but the horn guy's in there. They're all shouting away. Everyone's having a great time. Go up, go up, go up. And he says, listen, before you go in, everyone in there, they're saying the same thing. So it would be a good idea, Micaiah, if you would just play nice, don't be a party pooper, and say what everyone else is saying. You're going to find that Micaiah is not concerned about royal favors or the respectability of the local ministerial team. He doesn't care. So he goes in. Verse number 14, before he goes in, Micaiah says this. And Micaiah said, As the Lord liveth, what the Lord saith unto me, that will I speak. He was just told, you're going in there, everyone's saying the same thing. You should play nice. And he says, I can't do that. Whatever the Lord says, that's what I'm going to say. Now, verse 15 can be confusing, so just listen to it. The problem with verse 15 is we can't hear how he says this. But, but you're going to see the way he says this means something different than what he's saying. Okay? Because he goes in before the king, the horn guy's in there, they're all going crazy, and the king then says to him in verse number 15, so he said, um, Micaiah, shall we go against Ramoth-Gilead to battle, or shall we forbear? And here's what Micaiah says. Go and prosper, for the Lord shall deliver it into the hand of the king. And it's like, wait a minute. What are you saying? Now listen to me. This is sarcasm. It is pure sarcasm. It's like, yeah, that's a great idea. Go ahead and do it, Einstein. You're a genius. Go for it. And the reason we can say that is because of how the king responds to what he said. Verse number 16. And Ahab then says to him, and the king said, How many times shall I adjure thee that thou tell me nothing but that which is true in the name of the Lord? 
Ahaz says, stop it. How many times, Micaiah, do I have to tell you, don't be sarcastic with me, but how, how many times means this has happened before? Where Ahab doesn't care about truth, he doesn't care about the right way, so why give it to him? And Micaiah says, yeah, that's a great idea, go for it. And Ahab says, no, stop it, stop. How many times do we have to go through this dance? Tell me the truth. And so, verse 17, he now will hear the truth from the word of God. And he said, I saw Israel scattered upon the hills as sheep that have not a shepherd. And the Lord said, These have no master. Let them return every man to his house in peace. I know what the 400 guys are saying. Here's what God said. You're going to die. This is a bad idea, Ahab. And here's Ahab's response, verse 18. He says to Jehoshaphat, I told you so. I told you. Why call the guy? It's all bad. It's all evil. This is just the way that guy is. And so before we continue in this story, we're going to stop with that text today because it's packed. It's a great story. You need to read the rest of the story, and within the next few weeks, we'll finish this chapter. But I just want to glean now from the story what the Bible is telling us and what we learn about the Word of God from the text that we just read. Four simple points. Number one, the first point is this. Sheep recognize the voice of the shepherd. Sheep recognize the voice of the shepherd. 400 guys are telling Jehoshaphat, this is what God says. And Jehoshaphat is sitting there saying, this, this isn't right. This doesn't ring true to me. Something is wrong here. That is not far-fetched for the believer. Listen to what Jesus says in John chapter 10, the great chapter about the good shepherd. Verse number one. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door unto the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he puts forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. He jumps down to verse 14 and says this, I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay my life down for the sheep. And other sheep I have, you know what he's talking about? Some about you. Some about you. Other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. God's people, God's sheep, know his voice. I watched a clip on YouTube last week, and it was obvious that it was a clip of a, a Holy Land tour where they take people to the Holy Land, and they had a group of tourists there, and they're looking out over this sort of 
this ridge area, and you could tell there were sheep all over the place. I mean, they were scattered here. I mean, they were even out of the shot that, that they were showing. And they allowed three or four people to get to the, the edge of this, where there was a little wall, and to try to call the sheep in. And the shepherd apparently told them what he said to call them in. And so they're there, and they're going, yeah, 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 whatever he's doing, something like that. Honestly, it was like, yeah, yeah, and he's calling. And so these people try it, and not one of those lambs ever lifted its head. Not one. They were grazing there. Not one moved. Three or four people yelling, screaming, trying to call them home. And then the shepherd got up, and he called the sheep. It was amazing. Everyone stopped. Every one of them stopped. And they ran from all over the place to the shepherd. Do you know why? They know his voice. You've got to come when he calls. You know the voice of truth. And there's something for the believer that when they hear the word of God, they know it to be true. You remember the disciples on the road to Emmaus? They thought their life was done. They thought Christ had failed, that he wasn't the one they were waiting for. And as they walk and talk, he didn't reveal himself until that little communion time that they had. They say in Luke 24, 32, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened to us the scripture? Isn't that true? You and I as believers, we hear the word of God and there's something in us that our ears perk up. There's something in us that our heart burns. There's something in us that says, this is truth and I want it. No matter what it is, no matter how it sounds, no matter how it smarts me at times, I know within that this is truth. God's sheep hear his voice always, always. I can't help but think over the last little while now, I've been thinking more about the past. We have changes happening and with the manse and our church and the future. And I'll never forget, may I never forget as long as we live, our first Sunday um, in that, what used to be our church service, in the fellowship hall. There's a piano in there, a pulpit in there, and 23 people. And Kim and I came, and I remember the first message I preached was from the book of James. I know you don't remember it, Christy. That's all right. It was 17 years ago. People don't remember what happened last week, all right? Preaching from the book of James. And it was as if wilted flowers just came to life because of the refreshment of the word of God. Why? Because God's people, they know, they recognize the shepherd's voice. They know the word of God. But not only do they recognize his voice, they are to respond to his voice. God's people this morning, truth becomes truth when we actually do the thing that Christ calls us to do. We've got to be careful. Some of us as believers, we hear the truth, and then we sort of decide what we do with it. Like Ahab. I want to know the truth. What are you going to do with it? Well, nothing. It's not God's plan. We learn from this text that God's sheep hear his word. Number two, we learn from our text that the scripture is free The servant is not. They say to Micaiah, listen, play nice. What everyone else is saying, you need to say. And Micaiah says, listen, I have to tell you something. I can't do that. Whatever the word of the Lord says, that's what I am going to say. The word of God is free. 
God's servant and God's messenger is not. We have no right to take the word of God and make it mean something that we want it to mean. It is not our job to take it and to put a spin on it and be the PR guy for God or to make it palatable. That's not it. Micaiah understood it, and may we understand it as well. That's not our prerogative because it's not our message. I have no right this morning to say to people here that all dogs go to heaven. I'm not talking about puppies. Don't get nervous. I'm talking about Disney and the idea that everyone makes it. It's a great thought. The problem is that's not God's message of salvation. I would like to tell you, be as good as you can. Live a good life. Be religious. Let the good outweigh the bad, and when you get to the pearly gates, it'll be okay. That sounds great. The problem with that is, it's not true. It's not true. There is a heaven to gain, and there's a hell to shun. And you say, that's, that's so archaic and so wicked and so, we're so outdated. How could you even say? It's not loving to say that. The most loving man that ever lived talked more about hell than he did about heaven. He warned to flee from the wrath to come. And I would submit to you, it is not loving to lie about that. And so, we have no choice. The word of God is free. The messenger is not. It's not my message of salvation. It's God's message. And all we are to do is proclaim it. Proclaim it. It's not my message on the creative order and marriage and sexuality. That's not my message. It's God's. It's the Creator's. It's His design and His purpose. And He has a plan for human flourishing. And the truth is, anytime we step out of that plan in any area of our lives, it will fail. You're not designed. I'm not designed. And I'm talking about every area in our life, in family, in relationships, in work, in dealing with people. It's not our message. It's his. We don't have the prerogative to create our own reality. Adam and Eve tried it. You'll be like gods. That didn't work out too well. It's his message. The word of God is free. So let it rip. And I'm serious. It is a rock. It is a fire. It is alive. It is a two-edged sword. It pierces. It divides. It convicts. It challenges. Listen, you don't have to defend it. They say, you don't need to defend a lion. You know why? Let the lion out. The lion will defend itself. And when it comes to the word of God, we preach it and proclaim it. It is free, but we are not. Number three, we learn from this text to stand still and listen before we leap. Here's Jehoshaphat. Will you go to war with me? Absolutely. Great idea. We'll do it. Oh, maybe we should ask God. Maybe we should have invited him into the process. He doesn't do that. He acts first and then wants God to put a stamp of approval on what he has done. My friend, listen, don't run ahead of the order that God has for us. Before we act, before we move, before we leap, we need to listen to the word of God. And this would change us. Before you open your mouth this week, or today, 
or tonight. Maybe ask what the Word of God says about your lips. If your speech is edifying. If what I'm about to say is going to build someone's life or if it's corrupting. Ask if what I'm saying is to the person, if it's part of the problem or solution, or am I just going to just espouse gossip out of my mouth? Before we leap, we better listen to the Word of God. Before we have this Oprah moment and give advice that God just wants you to be happy, you might want to look to the Word of God. Before you tell your kids, yeah, go ask mom. You better think about what's happening. A companion of fools will be destroyed. Evil communications corrupt good morals. God has given us his word. We're not just to leap, but to listen. I heard an interview this week of a man who was talking about his father who, when they moved to the suburbs, he thought the thing to do was go to church. So his family needed it. So he got into a church and had all these rules and all the things that he was supposed to do, how to be a man and a husband and a father, and he couldn't do them. He, just, he tried, he couldn't do them, right? Because you can't do those things in the flesh. You've got to be born again. So he left. And when he pulled out of church, all of his kids pulled out of church. They were gone. And then this man, looking back 60 years, said, after that event, my father became a drunk. And it went, the whole thing, the kids were all shot and ruined. And, and he said, if only my dad could have seen around the bend, he would have chosen differently. And here's the truth. I can't see around the bend. Nor can you. But if I follow the word of God, I can be confident in that. If there's trouble in my life, and the trouble comes because I got in a boat and decided to jump ahead of God, I'm in real trouble. But if there's trouble in my life because he said, get in the boat, I'm okay. I'm okay. If he sent me into that storm, he's got a plan and purpose for me. It's when I get ahead of him. Listen before you leap. And then finally this morning, we see the staggering grace of God. Here's Ahab, once again, evil Ahab. And uh, Jehoshaphat says, hey, is there one guy that we can go to? And Ahab says, I hate that guy. I hate him. But he had a guy. Even though he hated him, this guy he knew would tell him the truth. That, my friend, is staggering grace. And it happens over and over again in Ahab's life. In in chapter 20, there's an unnamed prophet that speaks to him. In 21, it's Elijah. And here, it's Micaiah. Speaking truth. It's a staggering grace. Listen, this morning, if in your life, you have one voice, one voice, one man, one woman, one friend, who says, listen to me, this is the truth, then my friend, you've been given grace. A family member I was talking to, a friend of his, he shared the story with my son, and his life was messed up, and he said to his friend, man, I don't even know how I got here. And this friend said to him, yes, you do. One bad decision at a time. And it was like, oh my goodness, that's right. And so this morning, whether you like it or not, whether it makes you bristle, whether it's smart, if you have one person in your life saying, listen, this is truth, God has shown you staggering grace.
It comes over and over and over again, and we ignore it, we push it away, and I hate this, and I hate him, and I hate her, but it comes again and again and again. It is grace. It's staggering grace. And then, let us be the vehicle for staggering grace. My friend, if you're a believer this morning, and you know the story of the gospel of Christ, and you have a person in your life that I shared with them, I talked with them, and this has been on for years and years and years, and I just want to quit. Don't. Don't. Be that voice, that grace in their life to go back time and time again, and maybe be more creative, but do it. God is still at work, and you may be that person, that voice of grace for them. If there's a brother or sister in Christ, they've been struggling, and you've talked over and over again, don't stop. Don't give up. Show that grace of the Word of God. Be a vehicle for grace. So that's the lesson from the Word of God about the Word of God in 1 Kings 22. Let's just close with one more portion of Scripture. We'll pick up where Jesus continued in John chapter 10. Listen to verse number 27. My sheep hear my voice. And I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Believer this morning, if God is your shepherd, listen to his voice. How much interaction do we have with the word of God? Well, I'm here today. I do my Sunday deal. I got it. I'm good. It's not good. It's not enough. You need the Word of God. How are you going to hear His voice if you're not listening, if you're not reading, if you're not hearing the Scripture for yourself? Right? We, are, we, are, we have more at our fingertips today than ever, and we as God's people are biblically illiterate. We're not in His Word. We don't know anything. We don't study. We don't look. Listen, if you're a child of God, you need to be hearing his word and his voice. If you're not a child of God, may today be the day you repent and you believe and you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. You call upon the name of the Lord and trust his salvation. And then for those of us who hear his voice, as you recognize it, respond. Truth isn't your truth until you do it. You can talk about it all you want to, but until you hear and do, it means very little to us. Don't be Ahab. Ahab, time and time again, the word of God came and it came and it came. And he rejected it. He was a fool. If you're God's sheep this morning, respond to his voice. Let's have a word of prayer.